Hey everybody, this is Rob from the Caffeine Crew Cast of Pods and DC Primetime, and I'm here to tell you something that you should definitely be doing if you haven't done so already, and that is heading over to www.nextlevelradioonline.com. There's a ton of other great podcasts on the network if you haven't checked them out already, such as From Panels to Pixels, Two Fat Dudes, What Lurks Behind Podcast Zero, uh, an upcoming Lost Revisited podcast, uh, in addition to our flagship show, the Showcast Spotlight, which is about to probably get ready to kick off its brand new season of celebrity interviews. Great shows like The Melting Pat, Primetime Fantasy Football, and Con Talk. So whatever your interest is, there's definitely something for you at Next Level Radio Online. Make sure to check them out, like them, review them, share. Thank you guys so much for all of your years of support. Now, back to the show. Warning, the following podcast may contain spoilers. Listener discretion is advised. Conventional wisdom says you never ask a client if they are guilty because the more I know, the more it might tie my hands. But I am going to ask, are you the Green Arrow? Yes. Then I'm going to propose a new strategy. Okay. Jury nullification. Hmm? You're going to admit to being the Green Arrow. We are then going to highlight every single thing you have done for this city, all the times you have saved it. We will argue you do not deserve to go to prison. This is a legitimate chance, Oliver. I can't do it. Why not? I'd be putting a target on my back. I'd be putting a target on my wife and son's back. I've been the Green Arrow for six years. I didn't plan on doing it forever. I thought that one day my mission would end and I would finally, after all this time, get a chance to actually live my life. That will never happen if I tell the whole world that I'm the Green Arrow. Welcome, Primers, into this issue 107 of the DC Primetime Podcast here on the Next Level Podcast Network from the Showcast Spotlight, as well as the upcoming Lost Revisited Podcast. I am Ben Beck. And from the Caffeine Crew Cast of Pods, I am the returning Rob Martin. Welcome back from Gay Paris. Oh, dude, it was so awesome. <laughs> I can imagine. I, I, it's, I don't like the French, but I'd love to go to Paris. Oh, dude, honestly, I can tell you this now. They were the nicest fucking people in the world. And sorry about the language. That's fine. Uh, <laughs> we're already off to a great start. Yeah, <laughs> it's too early. My brain, the censorship uh, part of my brain hasn't booted up yet. Uh, 
but yeah, no, it was an amazing country. Uh, the people there were incredibly nice. And I will say this. I've never been to a country where every single person that I walked past made me feel horrible about myself <laughs> as man. Everybody there looked like a supermodel. Uh, it, it, this is not a lie. I've never seen more pretty men and women in my entire life ever all clustered in one place. It's that's I think that's where models are bred is just in Paris. Just they have, all go from there and just shift around. Well, the easiest way to make up for that is now that you're back here in the States, go to a state fair. Yeah. yeah. No, then I'm like, OK, I'm good. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm perfectly normal. Yeah. If not above normal. So uh, but I will say uh, one of my all time things I've wanted to do in my life um, actually paid off to be better than anticipated, which was the catacombs. I'm so jealous uh, that you got to do that. Uh, yeah, that was um, out of probably everything I've ever done in my life. That is probably in the top two or three ever. Um, like when you first get in there, it's just when you walk into the like get out of the tunnels into that that actual section. And you're standing there and the bones are stacked up to the top of your head and you just can't see how deep they even go. And then it continues to go on for miles. This is not a lie. Like they only let you go through a part of a small portion of it. And we were still down there for an hour and a half and it just went on and on and on. And it's just it your perspective of things immediately changes and shifts. And it's creepy but like gorgeous and peaceful at the same time it was amazing did you um, watch as above so below before you went down there i actually i've seen that movie a ton of times i absolutely adore it but yeah it's a it was a great representation it was um but it, it's a really just amazing experience well, i think the movie was actually filmed in the catacombs was it not uh a small tiny fraction of it was um yeah, I think they were only allowed to do a tiny little bit. So, uh, but yeah, it was it was great. Yeah. It was such a such a cool experience and visual thing to see. There's nothing quite like it. Super super jealous that you got to do that. But I'm glad you had a good time, man. Because I was um I was excited for you and your wife to the to uh, have the opportunity to actually go. Yeah, I would actually say from world travels that we've done, uh, it ranks at number two. Uh, Ireland being number one, and this was easily number two. So Ireland is probably second on my list. And I know Australia is number one for me. That's the uh-huh. one place I would love to go. I know some people are like, oh, but everything there will kill you. I, oh, no, that's New Zealand. New Zealand, everything will kill you. Australia, it's not that bad. No, I think you, I think you have it the opposite. It's Australia where everything will kill you. And New Zealand is the place that's pretty pre- pleasant. Oh, OK. Maybe I can't remember. Yeah. Which I want to go to both. Like if that's if that's a trip I take, that's a trip that I take like two months. <laughs> and, and I go because you need at least a week of travel just to like get there and accommodate yourself. And then I want to spend not a month or not two months, but I'd spend like a month because I want to spend like a week in New Zealand and I want to spend like a week in the populated portion of Australia. And then I would love to spend a week in the outback. So I know that's where other people are like the outback. No, I don't want to do that. <laughs> but uh, no, that I would love to do that. That's like my dream, dream vacation. Yeah. Very cool, man. Uh, I know while you were gone, you unfortunately missed the opening weekend of a particular movie. And I did. I know, unfortunately, a lot of stuff got spoiled for you while you were away. Uh, well, let's, well, I, I will state this since this is a spoiler show. Uh, I will dip into spoiler territory just a little bit because it's been about a week. Movies already crossed a billion dollars. So that means most people that probably listen to the show have seen it. Uh, if not, uh, give me one minute 
so you can kind of blast through. Yeah, Paul, uh, th- Paul and I already gave our opinions last week spoiler free. So I'm curious because I know I already know what your ranking of the movie is, and I'm kind of <laughs> disappointed by it. But it's I understand why you yeah. you're giving it that ranking. So yeah, to, take like a minute or two. We're talking obviously about Avengers: Infinity War. I know it's a DC podcast, but it, you can't avoid it at this point. It's the oh, no. largest oh, no. opening, largest domestic opening ever, uh, and. You know, it's the movie that everybody's talking about right now. So, yeah, take like a minute and give us your thoughts. Uh, so, I mean, I will say this. Um, I did think it was amazing to see them pull together such a large cast and try to make, give everybody an opportunity and a chance to shine. And I think they did a really good job making the new characters of the Marvel Cinematic Universe really get their moments where I think with the exception of Thor, uh, all the original ones that kind of started it off were kind of left by the wayside, but I think that's because of Avengers Four is going to be the one that will highlight them, the original people, uh, to give them the proper time chance to bow out and say this is their curtain call, and you know, with the Marvel Cinematic Universe as they pass the torch on. Uh, I actually think you know Doctor Strange uh, was what was actually in this movie even better than he was in his own movie felt like the more you know original doctor strange that i knew from the comics i think thor and rocket raccoon uh together were the best uh pairing you mean and i really yep i was gonna say i was like (laughs) i was gonna say oh you know odin jr and the rabbit needs to be a new tv show um but yeah no i loved them together but i think unfortunately i don't think anybody had a real massive moment to to shine like there were those character moments were kind of few and far between. Um, and while I think the action was great, I think it was to me, it was lacking a little bit of the emotional aspects. I really love about a lot of those movies with the exception of just pure reaction moments. Um, you know, I, that's one thing I love about things like Captain America being my favorite. And he had like six lines in the movie that was he was very limited. So I was kind of I was a little bummed that like my favorite characters really didn't feel like they had much to do. Um, and that I think was why it was a little tricky for me. And then the Thanos angle that the way that they shifted it, I don't think kind of worked for me. Um, you know, original Infinity Gauntlet was all about him wiping out people to get the attention of death. This was him trying to have essentially world peace or universe peace um, with ultimate cosmic power. And I think there was a great article that even stated if you can snap your fingers and potentially wipe out half of the living things across the galaxy, why can't you snap your fingers and make unlimited resources? And I'm like, that's kind of a big hole for me that kind of bothered me dramatically. Um, So I, I think it's still a fun movie. And I still, like I said, would give it like a, probably about a seven, five or an eight. And that's not a bad score at all. I mean, that's actually, like I said, really close to a legend or just hitting a legend for me. Uh, But I think in the grand scheme of things, uh, after just watching that movie and then finally seeing Black Panther for the first time, I I still think Black Panther blows it out of the water um, and was one of the best comic book movies of all time. So, okay. uh, But it's again, still enjoyable. And I have a feeling um, once the, you know, in Avengers four comes out that those two movies will kind of be seen as one and that perspective could dramatically change. So it's one of those things that the spoilers I knew going into it from people spoiling it probably to, and more than likely really impact that score in a big, bad way. So uh, but still what I saw, don't take that as 
Marvel hate. Um, that's it's again when something's spoiled for you really heavily, it's kind of hard to enjoy it the same way everybody else is going to enjoy it. Yeah, and that's why I felt really bad that stuff got spoiled before you you had the opportunity to go into it. I, I mean, there's some of that stuff that you said that I can definitely agree with, but. Uh, you know, with Captain America being your favorite character and being very limited in his lines and stuff, it was, it was, you know, I get the feeling that you have and that some of your favorites didn't really get their moments to shine and, and, you know, where the Guardians of the Galaxy are some of my favorite characters and I feel they shined very brightly, uh, throughout this. They were extremely important to the story. I agree with you completely on Doctor Strange. I think, um, you know, he was even better in putting him, you know, you put two egotistical characters like him and Tony Stark together, and that contrast, you're going to get some of the great moments that we got throughout the movie. And, um, you know, I, I kind of disagree a little bit on some of the emotional aspects. There were one or two moments in that, that in the movie that I were, um, that I, I was very uh, loosely close to, uh, you know, getting choked up a little bit. And, mm-hmm. There weren't many moments as there were in other movies, but I mean, again, slightly spoilers, but you know, the moment with uh, Thanos being held down and Quill face to face with Thanos after finding out what he just found out, I, I was found very emotional. And oh, yeah, I agree. That was a that that was a really very beautifully acted sequence. And the final moment with Spider-Man, I've, I was really kind of uh, emotional about, you know, because while everybody else is kind of withering away. Uh, he kind of gets his moment. And I found out that that whole moment, that whole scene was actually improvised by Tom Holland. Um, yeah, uh, I will. I will say I, I, I will 100 percent say that every character and every actor in that actually really gave a beautiful performance. There's no question about that whatsoever. I think the problem for me is when you're like, hey, we're going to wipe out half of the cast. Um uh, I think the only downside that took away from that for me, even though knowing the people that and no lie, every single person that didn't make it through that movie. I knew not one of them was left out for me for the spoilers, which was really disappointing. Yeah. Uh, even the and the even the the stinger at the end, even that was uh, there was only one thing we had to do with a certain cloaked figure. It was the only thing I didn't know about the movie. Um, and that was like, oh, that's cool. Nice. Very, well, very nice. At least back. you got that moment to to kind of be a little surprised going into yeah, it. Yeah, I definitely got that, which made me happy. So that was cool. Now, somebody did bring up a point to me, and I think it was actually Paul, who special thanks to Paul Williams, who was guest host last week. Um, and we could say this now again because slight spoilers. So he did bring up a point, and I don't think he brought it up last week on the show. He brought it up to me afterwards, and it could be coincidence. It could be part of the story, uh, but he did he did help me to notice that out of everybody that was left, they were all original Avengers. Yep, uh, with with just a couple side people. Um, I, th- I in think Rhodey was the only one who was not an original, uh, and Rocket. Were yeah, the two Rocket. Uh, non-original Avengers who were still there. And then some side characters, I think, like Shuri from Black Panther. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah. She still, but like, it, it's, but yeah, it, I think that's what was brilliant about it. It left the core, the core team. And that was the the smartest move. Uh, because again, it's, you go into that movie with the originals left and that's it. And it's, it's a nice callback to these are the people that built this house and this universe and they're going to get their real chance to, to move forward. Uh, and, really find a way to bring things back. And I think that's going to be able to tell a really great story. So I'm excited about that. I will say that. Me too. Um, But yeah, like I said, uh, fun movie. I think it's 
one of those things that probably seeing it a second time, that bad taste that was in my mouth will probably shift away because of the stuff being spoiled. I, um, I, I saw it twice. I, I plan to see it again later on this week because I um, my mom is a fan of the Marvel movies, but she doesn't get out to the movies very often to see them. And she was still very much behind on Black Panther, but she just saw Black Panther last week. So this week I'm going to take her to see Infinity War and uh, get her completely caught up with the Marvel Universe. Yeah, uh, and I think it's just too, it's the downside of also when you lose half of your cast and they all have movies coming out, uh, it's just kind of like, well, I'm not really too concerned about their fates because we know they'll all be, most of them, for the most part, will all be back. Well, the only uh, one who, who disappeared who still has a movie coming out is Black Panther. Oh, no, the Guardians, too. Uh, Guardians 3, yeah, Guardians 3, the next Spider-Man movie. Like, oh, yeah, that's, that's right. <laughs> Right, uh, like, and that's that's uh, that's the the downside to that is when those things happen from somebody that's read comics is like, well, the cave, they killed Clark Kent. All right. So how long until he returns? Because everybody know Clark, knows Clark Kent is Superman. It's the downside about things like that. When you go in with comic logic brain sometimes and you're like, does it curse you brain for knowing these things <laughs> um, and doing a show like this where we know what's to come in the future from looking at marketing material that you're like, it, it takes a little of the wind out of its sails. But at the same time, though, too, you still learn to be able to kind of detach that and still just enjoy what you're watching. Yeah. So. I will say, though, I saw it twice. I saw it opening night on Thursday, and then I went and saw it again on Friday. And third, uh, hands down, two completely different experiences in the theater. Uh, Thursday night was one of the most fun theater experiences I've ever had in that, you know, certain moments when certain characters show up for the first time, the entire like theater explodes into cheers, uh, certain moments when people like jeered and, and all because of, you know, certain downside moments and that stinger at the end. You know, when that particular symbol shows up on that pager, like everybody freaked out because everybody knew who it was and what it meant. And then I see it on Friday. No cheers from anybody. And when that stinger hits, crickets. Like, nobody knew who it was. Mm -hmm. and if it was this past weekend, I could kind of understand that. And because people had already seen it, so it's not really as big of a surprise to them anymore. But just one day out, I expected a little bit more from the audience on Friday. Maybe it was just a dull audience. I don't know. Yeah, you never know what you're going to get. But I think it's those very first showings are the best showings to see because you're there with the fans, which is why I love doing opening nights. Which is why we're going uh, to see Solo on opening night. And to, holy crap, is that off to a good start and lead for uh, ticket Artie sales? Already beat Black Panther. <clears throat> yeah, it. I, uh, it is now the ranked number two of all time for ticket sales. Behind advanced. Avengers. Yeah, well, but yeah, behind Infinity War. And that's it. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. that's that's insane. So, uh, but which, it, yeah. which surprises me because, and I know we're kind of breaking off topic here, but uh, we'll, okay. we're going to shift in a minute. Um, because I'm seeing articles of like, do we really need another prequel movie? Cause we already got Rogue One. We already got the original prequels. And do we really need another one? But I'll tell you right now, seeing the trailers for Solo, I am three times as excited to see Solo, especially the most recent trailer with Solo than I ever was to see Rogue One. And I know, like, it's different for some people because people who watch, like, the Clone Wars and stuff like that were excited for Rogue One because it's kind of filling in a lot of gaps. And I still need to rewatch it because I saw it in theaters. I wasn't crazy about it. And I'm still hold that. And I'm going to try and watch it again this week just to kind of maybe change my opinion on it. But I I'll tell you right now, the biggest thing I've posted this on Facebook, I've posted it in our in our little group for 
you know, our, our, our going night to go see uh, Solo. Um, the main reason I'm looking forward to that movie more than anything else is Donald Donald Glover. Glover. <laughs> Donald Glover as Lando Calrissian. Was He's perfect. Per- it was perfect casting from the moment they announced it. And I, I and then seeing the most recent trailer with him like, better buckle up, baby. I'm like, holy shit. I have to see this movie because Donald Glover is Lando Calrissian. Yeah. I'm just I'm so thrilled. I can't wait. I absolutely just cannot wait. So it's going to be it. it uh, this has been a great year for movies just all around. And it's not over. Yeah, you know, I know. Get Jurassic World Lost Kingdom. I'm a big Mission Impossible guy. So we got Mission Impossible Fallout coming out. Um, we still have Ant-Man and Wasp coming out in July. We don't even know what's slated for Christmas yet, with the exception of that new Robin Hood movie that was announced. Oh, God, that looks so good, too. Uh, it looks great. <laughs> I mean, this has been a fantastic year for movies. And I think what I think I, I think Aquaman is still slated for later in 2019. It is. So, or, yeah, well, or. uh I forget when it's slated. Now. 2018, I, not 2018. I think it's around yeah. Christmas time. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, we're not even nearly done with this year. And this year has been amazing for movies. And CinemaCon, like, you know, people were even saying the stuff that was shown for Aquaman. They said it, it just the audience was lost their minds and was like, that was amazing looking. So I'm really excited about that. That's yeah. just a it's a really, really damn cool uh, thought process to know that. We've got a lot of fun stuff on the horizon, so that's that's exciting. It's incredibly if exciting. Only Movie Pass didn't change their terms and make it so that people can only see a movie once now. That pisses me off. Mm-hmm. It sucks because if you go into the Movie Pass app now um, and you like, you just because I'll go into the Movie Pass app just to scroll and see what movies are out and see what I can go see. And if I go to my local theater, it sucks because Black Panther's still in theaters, Infinity Wars in theaters, Rampage. It now grays them out and says you have already seen this movie. I'm like you bastards. Yeah, which sucks. But they did say that they might eventually change that plan back and uh in time and i know they're working on some other plans um some more premium plans to allow like 3d and imax and multiple screenings of the same movie yep it'll be a higher price but you're already paying 9.99 right now and if even if they up it to like 15.99 and i still as many times i go to the movies it's still worth it yeah no i i think so i I think it'll work out well so So, we'll see hopefully by the summer they come up with these plans and, and such let's talk the tv shows Yep, let's do it. So we can we can get through these three episodes this week, that being Supergirl, The Flash, and Arrow. And uh, with two of them, man, we're getting close to the end. We got two hour, two episodes of Arrow left, three episodes of The Flash. Uh, still about seven left for Supergirl, though, so we still got some time with Supergirl. But let's go through, let's give each of the shows of this week our one to three point ranking, that being Sidekick, Hero, or Legend, and then we'll go back and talk about the shows a little bit. Uh, starting off first, we have Supergirl Season 3, Episode 16, Sidekick, Hero, or Legend. Uh, this one's getting a very high hero for me. Uh, it was really close to Legend territory. Uh, almost all the shows for me were almost a Legend or a Legend. Um, yeah. But yeah, it was... Uh, Really strong episode. Not um, we got a ton that happened, but I think uh, it got there in a very fast manner. And I would have wished they spent a little bit more time, but still really good episode. Yeah, I agree with you, too. And I agree with you on that. Everything was pretty close to that legend line if it didn't cross it. So I think we're going to be the same across the board this week. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I gave this a high hero as well. I mean, I wrote hero legend because it rode that line. So uh, I'm giving it a hero as well. I think there were a lot of great moments, a lot of great um 
uh, light and humorous moments in this one as well. Uh, but yeah, high hero from me as well. Uh, the Flash. We have season four, episode 20, sidekick hero or legend. Also a high hero on this one this week. A lot of good, strong stuff coming out. Beautifully acted again this week. And, uh, you know, as we've been normally seeing this little kind of look back at some of the villains and how they came to be, we obviously get to see that with DeVoe this week. Uh, and that actually worked really great and really wonderfully. It was great to see that relationship between him and, and Marlies and how everything came to be. But at the same time, dealing with some major things. But really wonderfully done. Really, really um, happily uh, um executed episode and just uh, very enjoyable so but uh just not everything i needed it to be so uh but still high hero no, definitely not a bad thing at all okay uh i this is another one that rode the line for me but just to be a little bit different i'm gonna give it the slight edge and i'm gonna bump it up to legend uh just so we can have a little bit of differences on what we um what we have as far as our rankings <laughs> this week. uh yeah but uh another great episode for me you you kind of hit the nail right on the head there was uh, some great moments, some forward momentum in some of the story. We got another visit from a mystery character in which there's a little bit in the, in the news that we're going to get even more of her before the season is over. Uh, and something I'm very interested to see your opinion on when we get into the breakdown uh, of the episode. But a legend from me. And, of course, we have Arrow Season 6, Episode 21, Sidekick, Hero, or Legend? I am going to give this a legend. Uh like a low tier legend, but a, a legend nonetheless. Uh, this was an incredibly well executed episode of Arrow, and at least patched up one of the outsiders for me. The other two were still on the outskirts for me, but one of them, and is the one I least expected to be back in my good graces before <laughs> season's end, actually finally crossed back into that line. So it was a, it made me like not hate the show as much as it has bothered me as much in the past. Um, but yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm very happy to say that this is uh, Arrow's getting a legend again. Yeah, a legend for me as well. And I, it's funny that you say that about The Outsiders, too, because one of my very first notes about this was I just remember watching the episode and one of the after the opening scene, the next scene is going back to The Outsiders. I'm just like, oh, really? Do we have to start the episode with them? And by the end of that scene, I'm like, oh, all right, I'm. I'm kind of okay with this. So, mm -hmm. yeah, I, I gained a little bit of respect back for the Outsiders, one in particular, as you had mentioned. But, man, I, I, I'm looking forward to talking about this because there were – this episode had a legend for me even before the big the big moment of the episode, uh, which we kind of knew about this character coming back. We didn't know in what way. Paul gave me a good warning and said, don't watch the promos because the promos kind of give it away. Mm -hmm. And I didn't. I stayed away from the promos, and I was like, okay, I know this character's coming. I just don't know when and what way, and I'm glad I didn't watch because it kind of came as a surprise to me. And I think that's why this episode got even um, even more solidified it as a legend, even though, like I said, there's one moment that solidified it as a legend that bumped it into legend before that moment even came. And we'll talk about that as we as we break it down. Mm -hmm. uh, all right, let's go back and talk about the episodes a little bit. Starting off first with Supergirl Season 3, Episode 16, Of Two Minds. Supergirl and Emra have different uh, 
different ideas on how to stop the third world killer pestilence. However, when both Alex and Wynn are seriously injured by pestilence, uh, Supergirl and Emra team up to stop the destruction. IMDb gave this an 8.0 out of 10. So this is in legend territory from them as well. Uh, but yeah, I mean, obviously we get that big moment at the end. That's definitely going to play a huge part into the remaining episodes of the series. But, um, you know, I, I, I just loved the fact that uh, one of my favorite moments of this episode was one that kicked off the episode, and it's seeing Brainy using an image inducer and Wynn just seeing right <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, we got we got John and Alex and Kara, like, freaking out because somebody's just – some stranger's walking in, and <laughs> Wynn stops next to him and he's like, oh, hey, Brainy. Like, yeah. sees right through it. Oh, God, it was beautiful. It was like, oh, can I borrow one of those for Halloween? That was amazing. Uh, Jeremy Jordan, I, I just adore him on that show. He He's great, and especially coming off of a couple weeks ago with the uh, the Toy Man episode. And, man, they've been, like, hitting on all cylinders the last couple episodes since they've been back. Uh, really impressed, especially last week, too. The stuff with John and Marin um, was beautifully executed. Uh, and this uh, this week was another really good, strong Jeremy Jordan uh, episode as well. Just from him dealing with, uh, c- you know, contracting uh, the illness from pestilence uh, that's kind of getting ready to kill him. Um, but man, he's he's been killing it uh, since they've been back. Like he's been like the MVP of the show this season uh, in the last couple episodes. But man, there was a lot of great stuff to talk about in this one. Yeah, I mean, and and you know, he's he's killing it not only in the emotional aspect, but he's killing it especially this week in the humor aspect as well because the interactions that he has with Jesse Rath, aka Brainiac, uh, uh, Brainiac Five, are fantastic. I mean, we had that whole opening segment that I just mentioned with him and looking, seeing through the image inducer, but also the scene later in the episode when Brainy is questioning him on, did you see who scratched you? And he's like, yeah, he had long nails. His face was all burnt. And he, he's very obviously talking about Freddy Krueger. And he's like, oh, so you, it's like, it's like, yeah, Freddy Krueger. And he's like, oh, so you have a name. And they're like, he's just like completely oblivious that this is a pop culture character he's joking about. And I want to see more interactions of that because we haven't really even seen Brainy for a while. Yeah, it's been quite a bit. Like they introduced him and then he kind of disappeared into the background. So it was great to see him kind of back in the forefront again. And I have a feeling we're going to see a lot more of him. Uh, but it was great because, like I said, same thing with Emra. We haven't seen much of her at all. And we we get to see this conflict now happening between what they dealt with with the Blight uh, in the future for a Legion time and – uh, now being able to see that kind of play into them trying to stop pestilence now in addition to rain. So I kind of really think the the way that they're handling this is brilliant. And it's just kind of I feel bad because purity is kind of just just there. She's just kind of the lackey. Um, it feels like in my brain because, you know, blight's important to the, the legend, uh, you know, the, the Legion and Supergirl's concerned about rain and. Hey, Purity is like, what about me? <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm a big threat here, too, guys. <laughs> but then she screams and I'm like, don't we have enough people yeah, in the air? First, I, I thought that, screaming. <laughs> I thought that, too. I'm like, great. So the world killer is basically Silver Banshee or not Silver well, Banshee, like uh, Black Canary. Well, Black Canary, Black Siren or Silver Banshee. Or Silver you know? Banshee. That's right. All, I, I, I all, Silver Banshee. And DeVoe's got to scream essentially, too, from, uh, from it's like, no, guys, you got to stop this. There are more powers out there than just this one. <laughs> Give her I something s- else. Shoot, shoot plasma bolts from her fists. I don't think we've seen anybody really do that with the exception of like a side 
villain in like the flash here or there. Like that's something different. Screaming's a little, you know what it is? They're like, Hey guys, we have this, this, this visual effect that we spent a lot of money on. Maybe you guys should use this one. <laughs> so, <laughs> and you know what? That could very well be it. It might well. be, uh, you know, it, it's a, it's a sound of, it's a special effect that they already have developed. So why not? Why not use it? Yeah, no, 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 I I will say that. And I will say this again, too. Like, while we didn't get a ton of heavy action sequences in this this episode, that moment that we did get to see the the Pestilence fight um, with uh, Emra and Monel and Kara was, again, really well executed. They feel like they finally figured out how to handle uh, anybody that has flight, how to make those fights feel more intense. Like they've definitely got it down and they they figured it out this season, especially with the rain and Supergirl fight. And it continued here, even though it was dramatically shorter. There still feels like there's weight to the fights, which I'm really happy that they, they made it work. Uh, it takes it doesn't take you out of it like it used to, where it's like, wow, that's really intensely bad, like green screening and all. And here it's actually starting to work again. So kudos to the team there. They 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 gave weight still to those fights and can you continue to do so. So that was great. Yeah, and it's funny too because I real I know exactly how it happens and why it happens, but it still throws me f- just for a slight second every time I see Monel fly now, because I know it's because of the Legion ring that he can, but it's still I'm still so used to him being the Monel from last season that mm. uh, even seeing him in a costume now, knowing he's a Legionnaire and knowing he has a Legion ring when he flies, it's like wait, oh yeah, that's right, he can fly. So mm-hmm. it's it still throws me for a minute, but I, I, it doesn't bother me at all. I love the fact that he's pretty much become the character that we know from from comic books at this point. Costume, yeah, all. yeah, oh yeah, they're doing a great job with his transition. And man, he, yeah, Chris Wood still the, he's such a great actor and such a great piece of that puzzle in that show. Really, really thoroughly enjoy him and the new version of him that we've gotten this season. Uh, well, it does remove this the over the top humor that we saw him from last year. Um, Still an incredibly enjoyable character to watch. And I think everybody can see definitely uh, Carr and him kind of getting back together probably before season's end. So. Especially after this episode, because there's a big, you know, big point of contention between. And this is one of the things I wanted to bring up between obviously between Kara and Embra in their their motivation for why they want to catch Pestilence. And, you know, that's obviously kind of driving a wedge between Monel and Emra at the same time. So uh, I want to bring that up because it's it's one of the, as I mentioned, one of the two things I wanted to talk about, and I want to gauge your opinion. We're seeing two differences of opinion. Kara is of the mindset where we don't want to kill anybody, but Emra, you know, wants to kill Pestilence because they know that we now know this is the the main mission for why they're there, the real mission why they're there. Pestilence becomes the blight that wipes out most of their civilization at that point in the future. So they want to put the kibosh on it now. You can kind of see it from both sides by the end of this episode. And, you know, from at one point during the episode, it's just that Emma is so dead set on stopping this blight that she's willing to kill Pestilence. But then you later find out that one of the people who is a victim of this blight was her sister. Mm -hmm. So you can kind of see it a little bit more now from her point of view when you find this out. Okay, this is why she's so dead set on killing Pestilence and putting an end to this now so that there's no chance of Pestilence ever becoming this blight that, that wipes out and her sister can survive. 
kind of a little bit of a flashpoint moment there a little bit if you stop mm-hmm. it now like it's going to change the future so who's to say what will even happen to them i don't know if this is anything that's ever put that's ever crossed their mind they might not become legionnaires because of this so yeah. i don't know what's what's your thought process on this i i generally do think you're right i, I think that's kind of exactly where my brain was at was the, yes this this basically creates a flashpoint kind of situation but the, the thing that's a little bit I think not as intense for us is the idea that if they were to kill pestilence, we don't know the future because we've not seen it. So we really that impact doesn't really hit the viewers as hard, um, which is the only downside, I think, for us, you know, where there there's that possibility and potential of, yes, they could potentially not become legionnaires. And it's that whole like embers in that mindset of the uh, ends justify the means, you know, it's having her sister back. Even Kara says, you know what? I'd probably do the same. And she's kind of, you know, Emma retorts to her. No, you wouldn't. It's, that's not who you are as a hero. You understand the gravity of these things, but uh, you know, we do break away from the end of that sequence where I think Emma definitely is on the same page. Now with Sky, you're right. We can't do this. Um, you know, that's not what heroes do because the Legion molded themselves after Supergirl, uh, and the way and the values that she fought for. And, you know, Monel is very much a part of this. I still wouldn't be surprised to see Emma try something like that, though, by the end of this and maybe have that moment where she twists. And then that could be a big catalyst for Monel and her going separate ways. So I'm really curious on how this is going to play out. I'm really not quite certain because it really I'm at a very 50 50 point that it could go one direction or the other. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I'm, I'm very excited to see how that's going to play out, though. I think this is. You know, it was already interesting to watch Rain, who already felt like the best villain we've had for Supergirl so far, because they also made us enjoy, I think, Samantha as a character. And seeing her now kind of cross that point, and now the rest of the characters are caught up to where Lena was just from a few weeks back, to now see this. But now that threat has grown exponentially with three world killers, all full in full gear at this point, too. Which was kind of odd. Uh, I don't know if you you had that moment as well, where it was like Samantha's wearing scrubs, and then you cut away, and now she's full in ring gear. I'm like, huh? How did that happen? Like we've not seen this happen yet. It's I funny. Th- that, it's funny that you call that rain gear. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, it's not like she's wearing like a yellow slicker and a little kind of like banana hat on her head, dressed like Ralphie from It. <laughs> but yeah it's it, it, it felt a little that was the only moment that kind of made me like kind of like you know like when dogs hear an odd sound and they like cock their head a little bit and when it came back and i'm like how did she do that yeah it's when does she have magical transforming costume powers i'm like that just threw me off for a second because it's like they're still in the same scene and she's just poof rain and i'm yeah, like i mean because even kara keeps the super suit under her clothes so i mean it's that's how we get Kara to change so quickly. But yeah, Rain didn't, or, you know, Samantha didn't have the Rain suit on under the scrubs. Right. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of like, that was a little weird. Like, I totally get Pestilence. She disappeared for a few minutes, and we don't know how much time passed. Even if it's 20 minutes, it's like, hey, here's your unitard. Please put this on, and here is your cape. Uh, if I, you I, have a flat iron, uh, please use it to straighten your hair and... Uh, you know, a little, little bit of liquid in your contact lenses. No, I think you're Ta-da. right. I, I think that moment, that mo- that particular moment would have had even more significance and would have been more uh, driving the, the point forward if you're right, if it was Samantha looking like Samantha, but her eyes were red and she was hovering above everybody. 
yeah. uh, you know, with pestilence and with purity, uh, because then that would have driven the point forward that, okay, Samantha is rain. Yeah. Uh, you know, not rain is there. <clears throat> now it's, it's not just rain with the two world killers. It's Samantha with the two world killers, AKA Samantha. There's no doubt about it that Samantha is rain. Yeah, and I, I think it's going to be nice, too, because I think this coming week, I think Rain tro- finally drops the weird mask, which I'm really happy about, because the other two world killers look great. Like, the costume designs on them look phenomenal. They look, they have this great Kryptonian look to them, um, but they, the suits in general just look good. They did a great job on the costume design, but, like, when you look at Rain, that mask just very Halloween-esque, and I'm kind of happy they're finally ditching it, because why does she need to cover up her identity? They know who she is. Um but, you know, it's like, hey, uh, Clark Kent and Kara, here's my glasses. Nobody knows who I am. You know, uh, it's kind of the exact same mindset. So I'm happy that they're at least uh, going to ditch that starting next week. But, yeah, man, it was a really awesome episode and a really nice little touching scene, too. We got to we got to touch upon when, uh, you know, you see when uh, thinking he's really about to die, having that heart to heart with James was a really just awesome moment with, with him saying kind of like, hey, look, man, I, I patched up everything with my mother. There was something that I didn't realize it was holding me back from doing so many great things. He's like, I want to show Elon Musk how it's done. Like, I want to <laughs> be the next and the best, like, you know, like Steve Jobs. All these little moments. And it, like you believed it, though. It was such a wonderfully executed, believable sequence. I was well, really, not, really. And not only that, but the moment with with um with John and Alex after Alex recovers. Mm-hmm. And there's that little moment where John, you know, says to Alex, like, I don't know what I would do if I had lost you. Because it's because of you that I'm like I've I have a person to confide in. I can talk to you about what's going on with my father and and such. So like even that moment just drove that point forward even further about John being kind of like the fatherly figure for for mm-hmm. both Alex and Kara and that kind of family relationship and dynamic that those characters have together. So I thought that was a great touching moment too when you know when John revealed that to Alex of the whole I don't know what I would do if if you had gone. Yeah, I mean, I love the fact that they're getting back into those relationship angles in a big way. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, I know we we talked a little bit about it, but the, you know, the the moment at the very end when it's revealed to Alex that <clears throat> that Samantha, excuse me, Samantha is Rain. This is obviously going to drive a little bit of a wedge, I believe, between Kara and Lena, because um, she's been keeping this from her. So. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, when, when Lena comes out and says, and it's even what I was thinking at the time, when Lena comes out and says to Kara, I was going to tell you. I, in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, really? When? Because you just got done telling Samantha, I- I'm the only one that can help you. Yeah. So, like, that was very obviously an excuse that she was giving Kara. Well, giving Supergirl. <clears throat> Excuse me, because I don't think... I don't think she knows yet. I think going into further episodes, she's obviously going to share with Supergirl what she knows about Rain. And I know a lot of stuff is going to be put out on the table from both of them, which makes me believe in even more now that by the end of this season, I think Lena is going to know who Kara is. I have a feeling, too. Yeah, I think that's coming. But you know what, though? I do think that Lena still is going to be the good Luther by the end of all this. I do, too. Uh, and I really enjoy Katie McGrath as part of this cast. She she filled in a really interesting void left by Callista Flockhart. And, um, you know, it's, it's a very dramatically different role, but she's become such a large staple of this show. And I'm really happy she's around. I am, too. I just can't get over her getting eaten by a dinosaur. 
<laughs> it's okay. From Jurassic my, World. My brain always still sees her as Morgana in uh, Merlin from in BBC. Merlin. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, one other thing I want to mention real quick, because I want to get your opinion on this as well, is we've seen in the beginning of the episode with everything that Lena is doing to help Samantha, that there is a place that they go when she is not or when rain takes over. There's kind of a place that that Sam goes. It's uh, they kind of an alter. They kind of call it an alternate dimension, which I don't know if that's exactly what it is. It could be just in the like inside of a Kryptonian mind that we don't yet know what it is. But at one moment, we actually see both Rain and Samantha in them together and face to face and having a conversation together, which to me seemed very reminiscent of something in particular. And I want to know if it's something that crossed your mind as well. And it gave me the idea of something we may see later. And while it's a horrible movie, it made me think of the whole Clark versus Superman moment from Superman three. Oh, good call. I'm wondering if this is something we could potentially see. Are we going to see a fight between Samantha and rain possibly inside of this Kryptonian mind sometime before the end of the season. It's very possible. I think that could be a really unique kind of piece of this. Uh, I didn't even put that together, but yeah, that's kind of brilliant, but it's kind of funny. Every time she was in that sequence, I was just like, you know, this looks set looks vaguely familiar. Uh, uh, Well, not even that. I was just (laughs) like, whose house is this? Mollis's house. Whose house? Mollis's house, you know, (laughs) because it looks so much like that, like the where the totem bearers are hanging out in uh, Legends of Tomorrow. And like, let's just bring the lighting out just a little bit. Nobody's ever going to pick this up. (laughs) Same. It's kind of exactly. Well, it's always kind of funny, too, because like whenever you see certain shots and sequences of streets, you know, like that looks vaguely a little bit like Central (laughs) City. Hey, isn't that Barry Allen and Joe's place? You know? (laughs) Yeah. But that's what, um, but that's what that particular scene reminded me of. It made me think very yeah. much of that Superman versus Clark aspect. Yeah, no, very, very. I didn't even put that together, but yeah, brilliant kind of thought on that. That would be actually a really cool sequence. I think it um, would be. So I'm wondering. Yeah. I hope we're going to see it. Yeah, same, same. That I, I I'd be fully down for that. Um, uh, Superman three, not a great movie, but no. still kind of fun sometimes to go back to watch. Yeah. Uh, anything else before we move on? Before we look forward and move on to the Flash. No, no, no. I think it's a great episode, though. Um, really just fun and enjoyable. Okay. Uh, looking forward to season three, episode 17, titled Trinity, still reeling after learning about Lena's secret. Supergirl asks Guardian for a favor. Yes, we're going to get more Guardian next week uh, for a favor that could alter his relationship with Lena forever. Meanwhile, all three world killers united, Supergirl and team brace for an epic battle. So I was even just thinking, too, when we got to see James that we haven't seen Guardian in a while, and it looks like we're going to see him return next week, which is cool. So, uh, all right, moving forward, season four, episode 20 of The Flash. Therefore, she is. Barry and Team Flash team up with Gypsy to try to thwart Thinker's plan. Meanwhile, Cisco and Gypsy have a heart-to-heart talk about their relationship. Uh, 8.2 out of 10 from IMDb, so this is in Legend territory as well from them. Uh, but a lot of stuff that happens, um, you know, in this one as well, both on emotional standpoint and story-wise standpoint, uh, starting right off the bat that Harry reveals to the rest of the team he is losing his intelligence. It's not just Cisco that knows the secret now. Um, and it's kind of – it made me even reminiscent a little bit and think to uh, Supergirl because we now have two shows in which a character is dealing with a sort of version of an Alzheimer's. Um, you know, we have, uh, Jean's father dealing with like a Martian version of it. And now we have Harry 
who is going through loss of intelligence. Granted, his is brought on himself, mm-hmm. but it's still a version of that. Yeah, uh, but like I, th- I think the one thing I, that's very unique about this is it's just his scientific intelligence is drifting away. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Excuse me. Take a drink. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, no, it's fine. It's like, oh, my God, I need the cough button for a second. Um, but, yeah, no, I think this was I – mean, honestly, one of the things I was really proud of on two fronts here was, one, they didn't drag out the secret behind people. It only lasted an episode, which was great. I, re- I always praise shows when they say, oh, there's this big bad secret in the background. And it's playing out. And I'm like, don't keep building the drama. Let the core cast know. And I'm really always very proud because The Flash is one of those shows and most of the Arrowverse shows at this point have been getting better and better and better about making sure that doesn't happen. And I'm really, really just want to give them massive kudos for not creating kind of BS, um, you know, drama for drama's sake and saying, here's the problem. Now let's find the solution. It's still in the forefront and it's still an issue and it's still a dramatic piece that people are playing off with, but they're not making it a dramatic piece that where they have to deal with the situation plus the secret of it. That always makes things kind of lessen in my mind a little bit. I don't know if it does the same for you, but I'm really, again, very proud that it was addressed right up front. They didn't even build it up through the entire episode. It was first five minutes. Hey, this is what's going on. Done and done. Excellent. Yeah. No, I agree with you completely. And I think one of the other things I really like that this show is able to do, and they're able to take these situations, as we mentioned, with Wells losing his intelligence, and they're able to take other characters, like side characters who you would never expect to be a part of the solution to this problem and bring them into it. I would have never thought Cecile would be the one to help Wells. And that's the second part I was going to say, too. I'm 100% on board with you. They gave her something fun to do, and they have amazing chemistry on screen together. They play off each other so wonderfully well, and I'm so excited to see that pairing continue. Yeah, I mean, because we got to see that we we found out in this episode that, you know, Cecile has had this ability for a while that they kind of let go by the wayside until this episode. Uh, You know, we haven't seen her for a while. And when she comes back into the episode, she's actually very pivotal to the episode as we find out that Cecile is able to see. We find out that Wells has his thoughts and when he has them, they kind of disappear and he never gets them back. But Cecile... And they kind of come off blurry to to Harry, so he's not even able to see them clearly when he has them. But Cecile, because of this ability that she has, she's able to fully see his thoughts before they disappear from his head. And mm-hmm. clearly, so the two of them together are are actually able to um, make the situation better and work together, which I thought is I thought was great. Mm-hmm. It was really kind of a brilliant move. So I really like that great pairing. I thought that that's going to work, I think, very well for the next couple episodes while they try to figure out what to do and how to save Harry. So, yes, um, I want to talk a little bit about the whole Cisco and Gypsy dynamic. Um, yeah, that was kind of one of the big heavy hitting moments about this this episode. So. Yeah. Uh, you know, obviously, this was something that, you know, we found out that Breacher was retiring a couple episodes back. He offered Cisco the job. And this was something that has been lingering with Cisco for a while. And he didn't want to take the job because he didn't want things to change with Gypsy. But he kind of wanted to take it at the same time because he wanted to spend more time with Gypsy. And everything kind of plays out in this episode. I thought this was something that was going to wait till towards the end of the season. Uh, but then I realized we kind of are at the end of the season. There's only three episodes left. And if you want to 
kind of not make this a distraction for the end, yeah, now's the time to kind of handle it. <clears throat> so yeah. we found out that Cisco was going to have a choice to make before this season wrapped up, and he came to that decision today. It's a sad decision because, unfortunately, it didn't come down to whether or not he's going to take the job. It came down to whether or not he's going to remain with Gypsy. And unfortunately, things didn't play out the way us as audience members would have liked to have seen it because we, I love the dynamic between him and Gypsy. And I, I'm not sure we're going to see that again, uh, before this season wraps up. Yeah. I think it looks like they've kind of called it, they, they've called it quits because their, their priorities are in different places. Right, and it's what their 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 once in a relationship are different. Which actually, I, I praise them again here. That's a very true to life situation where it's kind of like this is enough for me, and it wasn't. A, that's what Gypsy's thought process was: is what we're doing now is perfectly fine, and Cisco wanted more, which is exactly what sometimes a normal what an amicable breakup looks like. It's kind of like, hey, I love you, but unfortunately, we can't take the next step because one of us is already having everything we want, and the other one does not. And when there's you can't see eye to eye on it, that's the best thing to do. So that's that looks that was the best representation of a good breakup in my mind. It was handled wonderfully. Uh, there was a really great touching moment, uh, you know, in the Earth 19 version of, uh, you know, the, the I, I forget what the group is called. But, you know, the the organization that Brager and Gypsy work for, you know, their their alternate take on Central City Police Department. Yeah. Uh, but there was this beautifully touching end to that story for the two of them. But I don't think we've seen the last of Gypsy. I'm sure she'll pop up again sometime in the se- next season. Uh, but yeah, so. it, was, it was it was a great thing. But I don't think it fully closed the book on them. You can still see something pop up, it, like especially maybe like, you know, next season, Cisco's dating somebody new and ta-da, Gypsy comes into the earth for some reason because she needs help. And it creates an awkward situation. Yeah, uh, I guarantee if I have to put a, a, a thought process for next year, that's number one. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's and it's funny, too, you, that you bring up like Earth 19 in that alternate version, because this is our first look at Earth 19 this time around, uh, you know, throughout the course of the series. I, I believe so. I don't think we've seen it yet. Uh, we saw one other tiny glimpse of it going back a bit. Uh, I think it was last year when we when Cisco's starting to use his powers. That's when we see Max Mercury for a quick second. Uh, you see that other speedster in the rain getting handed off something. Uh, okay, so we have seen that was Accelerated Man. We have seen Accelerated Man before. Uh, yes, yes, yes. Okay, because so, that uh, kind of <clears throat> excuse me, it kind of took me by surprise because I actually rewound that moment. Because I know when the breach reporter opens, we see that that kind of pink flash go running. And I was like, wait a minute. I'm like, who the hell was that? And then I rewound the scene and you can actually see the character walking through before he starts to run. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Accelerated Man is listed in the credits. So I wasn't yeah. sure. I know we had mention of Accelerated Man being a part of the season before. So I wasn't sure if we had already seen him or not. Right. So like we got that quick glimpse of him last year just for a split second. Um, and then again, I like the fact that they at least nodded to it again for a quick moment. So, uh, but yeah, so we, yeah, we've seen very little of earth 19. So it was cool to see them touch upon that. So that was again, a big, huge thumbs up on that, but beautifully see a uh, beautifully acted sequences though for gypsy and, and Cisco though. I really thought 
it was handled really well, and you really felt for Cisco by the end of it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you can see he's broken up about the whole thing, even down to when they're having the, the baby shower for Cecile. You know, you can see him kind of step off on his own because this is something that's, you know, he's heartbroken. And you can you kind of feel for him because we've all been through it. So we know what it's like. And it's one of the reasons why I love this show as much as I do is because you really connect with these characters and you feel what they feel. Yeah. Um, you know, like I said, there was that beautiful line, too, between Barry and Cisco. It's kind of like, hey, buddy, do you need some space? He's like, no, I've actually had a lot of space. And that's kind of the problem. You know, it was it was that exchange was very heartwarming. But like the the friendship between Barry and Cisco, like we haven't got to see them highlighted as much this year. But that moment reminds you on the fact that these guys are best friends. So, yeah, absolutely. Um I had another really moment of this episode, and it's the only moment I had of the episode, because like I said, I mentioned the whole Lena Luther thing in Supergirl when she says, I was going to tell you. Really? No, you weren't. I had one other moment this episode, uh, one other moment like that this episode, and it was the moment where Iris says to the team, this time we catch DeVoe by surprise. Really? You know that's not going to happen. <laughs> you know it's not going to happen. He's been three steps ahead of you every single time. Why is this team? Why is this time different? And of course, but it turns out they actually did have an advantage on DeVoe, but it was the dynamic of Cisco and and Gypsy that kind of threw it for a loop and, and gave DeVoe the advantage back. Yeah. So, um, you know, it made me wonder, like, what was so different this time? That gave them the upper hand. And I, I really don't know because before it was DeVoe couldn't, uh, couldn't take emotion into his calculation. And that was kind of why he didn't see certain things coming. This time it was emotion that gave him the upper hand back. Right. Yeah. It's, it, it was interesting to see that kind of play out in that way. It was, it's a unique piece of all this, but it, it makes you wonder though, too, what's also, kind of happening in the background a little bit with DeVoe because we see a lot of, you know, how everything plays out in the past for Marlies and DeVoe uh, through the flashbacks this week, which I got to say, we finally now understand the enlightenment, which I've been waiting forever to find out what the hell has been going on with this really interesting concept of basically kind of like, tearing away the intelligence of everybody in the world and having them kind of reset doing to uh, wells to every doing what's happening to wells to everybody right and i love the fact that because of what's going on with wells how this piece of the puzzle now feels so dramatically important to the season um because it's kind of like okay this stuff is happening to wells you know so on and so forth so whatever they do to resolve the issue with wells is going to be how they combat the enlightenment and i think that's going to be a really unique piece of all this so i'm really looking forward to this puzzle piece kind of getting fit into the board and i think we're going to see that relatively quickly um but man it was a like i said watching marlise and and devoe's relationship build man clifford devoe was a Kind of a douchebag in the beginning, wasn't he? Oh, he wasn't kind of. He was a dick. <laughs> yeah. Like their first meeting is just kind of like, no, your theories are moronic, basically. And I'm like, wow, way to way to just, you know, tug at the heartstrings of a person. Seriously. Jesus. <laughs> exactly. Like, 
Uh, you know, and his kind of like modus operandi for or, for functioning is kind of like everybody's an idiot and technology is destroying everything. Well, I think most of us in the world can kind of agree upon that somewhat shape and form. It's also done amazing things, which where we see Marlene's. Uh, and then we get to that sequence where, you know, they're they're living together. And then she's like, kind of like, I can't do this. I, I'm, I'm reading about the things that you think need to happen in these monstrosities. And uh, we see her disappear and she joins the Peace Corps and, um, you know, working on a small project that like just just a water distillery and, you know, her encampment, you know, getting slaughtered for something as simplistic as that kind of bringing her over to his his way of thinking. So but I love the fact that we see all this play out of how they fell in love and why they're doing what they're doing and then bookending it with Marley's being like no more. And that was really kind of a cool way to do it. I really thought that was it was kind of this it was this, you know, giant exclamation point on this backstory. Uh, It's kind of like, okay, now you understand our villains uh, motives and reasonings of why they're doing what they're doing. Ta-da. Guess what? Pulling the rug out from underneath the villain and not quite sure on how this is going to play out because it's like, does Marley still kind of agree upon some of the things like she actually does openly state this needs to happen too. So are they dealing now with two villains and that, that are on was, different yeah. pages? And that was something that I was, I, I wanted to see where you stood on too, is that by the end of this, we, we kind of see Marlise turn on DeVoe and she disappears with the chair. So it's almost like she's become another thinker. He has the abilities. She has the chair that he used that kind of gave him the abilities initially before he took them from metahumans. So, are we going to have almost a villain versus villain by the end of this that's going to allow the heroes to kind of step in and 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 put this to an end? Yeah, I'm very curious to see this play off because I think this is going to be something really kind of unique for the Flash. Uh, we haven't seen anything quite like this before. So this is this is going to be a really unique and interesting end to uh, a really fun season. Yeah, uh, yeah, I'm really looking forward to seeing this playoff. Uh, I th- and I think it's kind of brilliant at the same time because we had been saying for a while, like we think Marlise is going to be the one that's going to kind of come in and 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 help to stop the vote. And I think the writers were kind of thinking as they wrote this, you know what? The audience probably thinks she's going to be the savior and she's going to help them. Let's throw them for a loop a little bit and let's make her another villain, like yeah. completely different. And if that's the case, that's pretty damn brilliant. Yeah, because one of the things she very clearly said was when she, you know, DeVoe's about to kill, who was it? Uh, it was about to kill Gypsy. And she makes a comment. It's like, no more. No, not like this. This is not how we're, we're, you know, executing this plan. And she still seems like she's very on board with what the idea of the Enlightenment actually is. But she doesn't want to go about it the way that DeVoe's going about it. So I'm I'm. I'm right there with you. I don't think she's going to be the one that helps the situation. I think she's going to be a, a wrinkle in whatever plan both Team Flash and DeVoe have. And it's just how does that get executed? So Yeah, exactly. Um, I think that's pretty much all I have with the exception of the stinger at the very end. We, we, yeah. get, to see, we get to see the mystery girl uh, a little bit more. And I wait, I know, again, in the same news story that we talked about earlier, we're going to see um, we're not this is not the last we're going to see of her before the end of this. She's going to play a pretty big part uh, into the finale leading into season five. 
which I'm looking forward to to seeing what they're going to do with it. But uh, I think this is looking more and more, at least in my opinion, that she is the daughter of Joe and Cecile. And I think there's something going on that for some reason that it, that would make Iris her sister. And I think there's some resentment there, obviously, between her and Iris. And we know now she is a speedster. Yes. That has and been revealed. What was interesting, too, is we also saw that same lightning that Iris had when she became the Flash for the single episode with uh, the Melting Point episode. Yes. That purple lightning again. So um, I'm very curious to see how this is going to play off. Like I said, I, this has been a fun little piece of all this. So, man, I'm I'm excited. I'm excited to see this play off. It, so. it could still play out that she could be the daughter of Barry and Iris. And she, be- she has resentment against her own mother. So... You See, I, I didn't pick up any resentment there. Um, I, I That was just me. But again, it feels like she's a character that she's just kind of in shock of the situation she's in. And she's like, I don't know how to respond to this. She's like, this is just weird. And I don't I don't know what to do. Uh, so, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see it play out regardless of however they do it. Because, again, I love the actress that's portraying that character. Um, she was a big, large, large piece of black sails. Uh, it was amazing in that show. So if she is going to be a big part of next season, fully on board already. So and uh, the the little versions that we've seen of her, she's this very plucky, quirky kind of character and reminds me a little bit of Patty Spivett when we had her in season two, which is another character I absolutely still miss on the show. But the, again, really, really well done, really well executed. So. Yeah, yeah. See, I did get resentment. Like, that was one of the first things I picked up on was she was so happy to see Joe and Cecile and see that she was pregnant. And, oh, I'm guessing you're due in about 21 days. Like, so she knows the day that the baby's going to be born. Uh, it could be her. It could be a relative. We don't know. But the moment that she sees Iris, that kind of all changes and she just wants to get the hell out of there. So mm-hmm. to me, I, I, that showed a little bit of resentment. But I, I could be wrong. Uh, I, it could also be too if if that's Dawn Allen, uh, maybe Iris is dead in the future, and she's like, I can't deal with the shock of seeing her. It could be, it could be a thousand and one things. So I have no idea what's to come. Yeah. Um. But yeah. Uh. Again, excited, but I know we got to move on to Arrow because uh, you've got to get moving in about thirty minutes, and we still have some big news stuff to talk about. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, let's um looking forward to next week on the Flash. We have uh, season four, episode twenty-one, Harry and the Harris- Harrisons. Ah, can't um, wait! Brilliant name for it uh, for the episode. The Flash and his team put their faith in an unlikely ally, a- ally Amunette Black, to defeat Devoe. Harry hits an all-time low when the Council of Wells kicks him out, but then Cisco introduces him to the Council of Harrisons. So we're going to see even more versions uh, of Harrison Wells, which is going to I be I think we're going to see at least seven Harrisons next week week be including it, including our wells so yeah it's it's, uh, gonna, it's gonna be so good i cannot wait i just uh, want wells the great to come back i just want to see wells the great for <laughs> just a second please yes absolutely uh all right let's move on to season six episode 21 of arrow titled docket number 11 1941 73 the pressure mounts for oliver who begins to wonder if he will lose everything in his battle to save star to save star city a familiar face returns imdb gave this a 9.3 out of 10 wow absolutely in legend territory for them and um man we mentioned it at the top of the episode 
we gained a little bit of respect back for for the outsiders and in particular one and we're both in complete agreement renee the one yeah. that we thought was probably going to be the least likely of the ones that we would gain respect for is the one that we gained the most respect for back after this episode and not just in the beginning but by the end of the episode like it's it's a complete turnaround of this character which Curtis is kind of another one that I can say, like, okay, we can get a turnaround on Curtis. You have to make a huge leap if you ever want to turn Dinah around for me. Yeah, they have they have a lot to do. They really, really have a lot to do. Because so. even in this episode, like, we, we find out, like, obviously, like, even Stephen beat Renee and Stephen. Oliver beat Renee, you know, put him in the hospital, put him out. But, you know, even through everything that's happened, you know... Renee kind of realizes, like, look, I, I, I'm, I'm, he's a jerk. Uh, th- my feelings on that haven't changed, but I don't want to see him go to jail. And it's my, this, it's because of me that all of this is happening. And I think the reason why all of this is playing out, and it's even said, I think, at the end of the episode, is his daughter. And he kind of, you know, reflects that with Oliver and, and his son. Yeah. So like he wouldn't want to see anything play out. And it was actually that's one of the big standout moments of this episode, because, again, I didn't watch promos, so I didn't know what was happening. I knew it was a courtroom case, and that's all I knew going into this episode. And I'm glad that I did, because there were certain moments that like when Renee was up on the stand and, you know, he was trying to get his story straight beforehand. And the moment that you see his daughter walk in with Diaz, like my heart dropped. Oh, yeah. And it was just, yeah, I, I didn't think I'd care. And when that happened, I, yeah, I was stunned. But like, there was this beautiful, quiet moment with where him it, with him and Oliver, and Oliver just closes his eyes and nods, like, you have to make sure your daughter is safe. We'll yeah. find another way. And there was so much being said without a single word actually being spoken. And it was just proved how great actors that are actually on the show rick gonzalez and amel in a quiet moment gave such a great strong performance and i'm so happy to see that caliber show back up on the show because the writing allowed for it to and for, allowed these actors to make it their own versus kind of cramming down some bad sequences and bad dialogue down viewers throats they just magically hit on every cylinder exactly the way it needed to and especially in that scene easily the number one standout scene that pushed this into legendary on its own and that's it and that's and that's the scene um that kind of led me towards legend about this um you know with this episode and then there was another scene later that solidified it and it was even again before the moment the the big uh, crashing down moment, as I call it. Um, but, you know, sticking with that Renee scene, that scene did two things for me. It did one, it showed me, you know, and you, you hit the nail on the head with the scene with the kind of head nod from a me- from Oliver to Renee, like, yeah, you have to do this. Like, you have to say, you have to tell the truth because of yeah. your daughter. And Stephen, uh, God damn it, Oliver understood it and he knew you know, it's like you said, he kind of, you know, he, he had an entire conversation with Renee in just a second. You know, 
you have to do what you have to do. Save your daughter. We'll find another way. Like, you're right. He had a whole conversation with Renee without saying a word. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you could see the distraught on Renee's face as all of this happening. But at the same time, a villain in Ricardo Diaz that kind of felt lackluster to me got pushed forward quite a bit in that when he walks in with Renee's daughter, I kind of looked at it and I was like, um, yeah, this guy's evil. Mm-hmm. Like this guy is willing. He has no lengths to which he's, there's no length to which this guy is willing to go to, to get his way. Right. I mean, I don't get me wrong. I still think Diaz is probably the weakest villain we've had in an arrow, but this one, you're right. Did give him a sense of, there's a sense of terror about him. And I, I it was what they needed to do. The downside is we've got like what three episodes to go, but I'm still two. now looking two. Oh God, yeah, yeah. There's only two episodes left. Flash has three. This one has two. Um, but man, it, it's one of those things. Is I'm actually now really looking forward to the finale of this. This getting wrapped up. Um, which yeah, I didn't think I would ever say that after the last like you know a couple months of this show. But I, I think this is still going to end in a big, big bad way. And this episode was proof positive that. Uh, well, not, yeah. well, not only that, but I mean, it, like, it, there's that, and then the following moments with Renee and uh, with um with John and Dinah outside of the courthouse, like going after Diaz and and wanting to take him down right there. And there's that moment where you know the entire police force surrounds them, and they have no choice but to let Diaz, let Diaz walk. And it's very similar to. The whole dynamic that we got with uh, with Prometheus last season and Adrian Chase in that this guy is a villain. They know he's the villain, but they're kind of helpless to the situation. There's nothing that they could do about it. And you kind of take it to the next step in that not only does not only does the team know that Adrian Chase was the villain like last season, nobody else knew Adrian Chase was the villain. This time they know that Diaz is the villain and everybody else knows that Diaz is the villain because they're all in his pocket. So they're not just against the it's this time around Diaz is not the only villain. Star City is the villain. Yeah. If you think about it. And which is kind of a cool thing to look at. Like between the like they even brought up the little things with his the you know, Ollie's lawyer was like, you know, there's the anti vigil uh like, you know, vigilante laws now in in play that all got pushed forward because of corrupt city. You know, the fact that I love that he even brought up the fact that Diaz has all this information on everybody because of the things that Caden James did. It makes him look like this brilliant mastermind that knew exactly what he was setting up from the beginning and and aligning himself with a person that could give him everything he wanted without ever knowing that he was nothing more than just a a little lackey and realizing he was something so much bigger, which was a really kind of a brilliant move. Like I said, Diaz is not a bad character. I think it's just they got to him a little too late and it's the only thing that's causing him to suffer. But a lot of that stuff was really kind of brought to the forefront in the way that they did this. It's kind of like an info dump as an episode, but not. It's just more or less a reminder of these are everything that happened this season. And when you think about it, it was an awful lot of moving pieces. And you're saying that this person is the one responsible for all of it. So it's kind of just brilliant when you look at it. So uh, I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing how the Diaz stuff kind of closes out. And you guys even mentioned on the show last week, you and Paul, how great of a fighter and how good the action sequences are with Diaz, uh, you know, and just his physicality as well. So it's great to see that work and see it's 
it's already it, it's a really intelligent mind that knows how to manipulate and move pieces where he needs them to be. But it's also a great you know physical presence as well. So. Yeah, exactly. Uh, the other moment that happened in this episode that kind of pushed it into that legend territory for me, uh, that we had that particular moment where Oliver was in the, the back room with his lawyer, and his lawyer asks him, are you the Green Arrow? And he, without hesitation, says yes. Um, obviously, he has lawyer um, lawyer privilege that his lawyer's not going to say anything that she says him. But it's what follows after that that kind of was like, okay – Again, more phenomenal acting from Mel. Uh, you know, when he says, like, because she tries to spin it, it's like, okay, we'll go with, you know, jury uh, loyalty. And that, like, I've saved so many people. This is why I don't deserve to go to prison. But he hits, you know, he kind of hits the point in that he says, like, you, we can't do this. Like, this is, we can't do, I can't do that. I can't tell people that I'm the Green Arrow. I have this mission. And I kind of hoped that by the end of this mission, I would be able to lead a normal life. And if we do this, that will never happen. I will yeah. constantly have a target on my back, as will my family. And it's one that right there is the main reason for secret identities. It's the main reason why throughout all of comic books, characters have secret identities. And it's that making them a target and making their families a target. And I love the fact that that was brought up. And the way that it was brought up and just delivered in this, that um, that that's the scene that pushed it into legend for me. Yeah, that was a beautiful sequence. But then what comes after that is it even solidified that legend even more. Yeah. And that we have Oliver on the stand and kind of. Oh, no, Oliver was not on the stand. He was I think sitting, it was Felicity, I believe, was on Felicity the stand. Felicity was on the stand. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, getting ready to kind of, they were going to push the, the even further that Oliver was the Green Arrow. And who comes crashing through the ceiling is the Green Arrow. Not just the Green Arrow, but Tommy Merlin as the Green Arrow. And man, he looked awesome in that suit, didn't he? He did. Um yeah, and I actually did see something later after I watched the episode because I stayed away from social media. And there was actually something that Steven posted on his Twitter. And it was a short video. And it was basically the the Green Arrow come with the hood coming in, sitting in Steven's chair. And then the hood being brought back. And it was uh, Colin Donnell uh, <laughs> under, under the hood and just like sipping like a lemonade or, or something like that, which I thought was great. And I was like, Oh, I'm so glad I didn't see this before, <laughs> before the episode. I was so glad that I stayed away from promos, everything online for this reveal, because again, like I was wondering how this was going to play out. Like what version of Tommy is this? Is this, it's an alternate earth version of Tommy? Like I, it would be completely weird if it was an alternate version of earth like an alternate verse version of tommy because how would that even come into happen and then it's revealed that it's not tommy oh it it's indeed, christopher chance it is christopher chance aka human target and which i thought was brilliant oh and i love the setup of that in the very beginning of the episode we jump over into kasnia and just it's john you know saving a person that we never see his face and oh, man the, I, I i gotta say this even though he had only one appearance last last episode or last season, I loved his character so much. So seeing him make an appearance again was so awesome. I think he was such a unique and interesting character in this universe. And you almost forget that he's around sometimes. But, you know, because, again, only his second appearance in this show. 
But it worked so well because I knew about the Tommy Merlin thing coming up. I did not know about Christopher Chance being the person that's portraying it. And even though that little part was spoiled for me, that other part, man, made it so cool. I was actually really just because it was that other piece of the puzzle I didn't know, which made it that much more exciting. Are you talking about the the later? Yeah, the, re- the well, the reveal. The re- well, it, just the reveal that it was Christopher Chance completely. Like I knew that Colin okay. O'Donnell was in this episode and was going to be appearing as the Green Arrow, but I didn't know it was Human Target being Tommy Merlin. So yeah. that was, I think, that that second layer that I had no idea of. That was like that was a cool twist. That was a damn cool twist. Well, I mean, and, and it, the coolest thing about it was like I was like, okay, that was an awesome reveal. Like that was absolutely brilliant on on Diggles on. Yeah, uh, you know, Diggle's behalf that he was able to do that and able to help Oliver in that way. But then a little bit later on in the episode, you know, we come to the verdict and the verdict is in and the jury has found Oliver guilty on all counts of everything. And the lawyer makes the plea. I, I forget exactly how it's uh, how it's described in legal terms. Um, but it's basically that there was enough reasonable doubt that even the jury's conviction doesn't allow for, uh, mm-hmm. for for prison time. And, you know, it's been made known earlier in the episode that there are lawyers, including the judge, who are in Diaz's pocket. And when it comes about that, you know, the judge agrees that there's enough reasonable doubt that go see probation and you can be on your way. I was like, I was kind of confused for a minute. I was like, wait a minute. Okay, so obviously when Diggle and Renee left, they had a plan. Maybe they intimidated the judge and that was like what they did or they had they found something on the judge that kind of overturned it. And then you get that following moment later when you see the judge down in the arrow cave only to be revealed Christopher Chance again. Christopher Woo! Chance again. I was like, this is fantastic. Like, this is absolutely brilliant. And I was absolutely just loving that. And I there was a great line from him, too. Right as he's getting ready to leave the Arrow Cave, it was just that whole, like, hey, man, if you're going to call me, wait until at least a year. And I'm like, please, let's see more of him next season. I would love to see him next season again. Well, he even, he even says – he even says in that scene, like, don't call me again, at least for a year. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, left wide open to, uh, you know, to return. Yeah. Um, and I, I really hope they do because he's a fun character and he fits in that show so wonderfully. Uh, and he's a very light and fun character in addition to it that adds a nice little bit of levity that I think Arrow loses sometimes and i think that's it's it's important to have that so i really hope we see more of uh, the human target next year so yeah yeah well yeah i i agree with that completely um two other things worth mentioning in this episode um and i just got word that i have to 11 so we're good on time okay. um um we see a big moment for laurel this episode in that she's kind of taking a stand now against diaz and she turns on him to, you know, we see her kind of, uh, especially up on the stand. She has that opportunity to put Oliver away and admit that she knows who the Green Arrow is and that it's Oliver, but she flips on Diaz and goes along with the story and says that it's Tommy Merlin. Yeah. And then we see her kind of blast everybody away. It doesn't work out well for her, but, um, we did see that moment and in, in, um, 
of her turning on Diaz and becoming a stronger character and, and flipping on him. Yeah, and kind of also, too, when she makes an appearance to Diaz at the end, because one of the other things is even though Chance used uh, the the look of that one judge, uh, that judge is immediately brought to Diaz. So that loose end that was like, well, the judge is still out there, so they can flip this. But Diaz kills the judge right before Black Siren shows up to kind of bring the fight to Diaz. So that loose end is removed. But when she shows up, though, She's really kind of rocking that original Laurel Lance Earth One uh, early Black Canary look. So I think that's kind of cool that they're already visually shifting her her visual look. We're we're starting to see her go from you know that villain uniform to more of the what the hero uniform was that we we remember. So I think that was kind of a nice little visual um you know, visual twist that they added to that sequence. Yeah, um, and yeah, and I'm looking more fun from her because I think this version of of Laurel has been great. I think Katie Cassidy is doing a wonderful job because she's done such a great job playing kind of like pseudo villain esque characters in the past that had ulterior motives like Ruby originally in Supernatural. So we know she has those chops and she's proven it here as well. And I think that is the closest and even Paul said it last week. This is the closest we've actually really ever had to a true black canary. They're doing a good job of, and this redemption is, is starting to work. She's done horrible things, but if you look back at comic books, most of the heroes that we know have all done at least something horrendous. Uh, so <laughs> yeah. I, I, I'm kind of curious to see this continue to play out, but there's a news story that I think that'll explain where this big push and twist is going to really yeah. happen. Um, yeah, it kind of sucks, but um, any other things for Arrow? Um, the only other thing I have is really, you know, by the end of this episode, again, we get that full turn on Renee and that Oliver and Renee make good. Uh, yeah. You know, they make nice on each other. They by the end of this, they're apologizing to each other. And um, you could feel that it's full fledged and it's meant. And these aren't just empty words. They both legitimately sorry for what they've put each other through and we see them shake hands by the end of this so i think we're we're gonna see maybe not everybody come together as one big team again but i think we're going to see within these next two episodes uh the team's able to work together yeah and i I think the mutual respect will be back together for everybody but i think by the end of the season we're still going to see everybody out there doing their own thing and i think that's a great way to handle this show i think that's maybe a smart move you're going to still maybe see them all use the arrow cave together here and there and the outsiders have have their bunker and that was the old helix bunker so i think you're going to see a nice mixture of all this play and i think that's the right call for the show it's not going to make it feel as overcrowded and i think I think the bad taste in our mouth is starting to get rinsed out, which is great. I'm really happy to finally say that because it's been a while. Um, So I'm really happy to to see that things are starting to clear up. I don't know if anybody else, era-wise, that was a bit a long-time viewer, is starting to feel that. And I think this episode really helped. But the last big thing I really have to mention is there's a beautiful Easter egg in this episode that was just amazing. And it's one of those things that if you don't look at episode titles, you might completely miss it. This episode was titled Docket Number 1191173, which I don't know if Ben did, what, if you what, picked what up what that is. is. It? <laughs> uh, well, it's 1119, which November 19th, 1941, episode 73 of More Fun Comics is the very first appearance of the Green Arrow. So, oh, I knew it had I pro- I knew there was probably something deep embedded in it. And yeah, I didn't know what it was. And there we go. 
Yeah, so really kind of a nice touching uh, episode night uh, number. So, yeah, like I said, some more fun comics published by DC Publication. Um, yeah, it was a uh, it was I think it was a Dr. Fate uh, issue. And uh, yeah, so episode or number 73, you can check out the very first appearance of uh, the Green Arrow. So that's that's kind of cool. Yeah, I mean, this this episode for me was um, pivotal in that. And you kind of mentioned it, you know, the bad taste we've been having from some previous episodes. This is the first episode I remember watching that uh, I wasn't completely turned off by the um, by the outsiders being part of it. Yeah. Yeah, it was uh, that was that's a good, good statement to be able to say. So, yeah, uh, exactly. as we always said, there's always hope. <laughs> so, yeah, um, exactly. It'll knock the it'll knock the scores for the season down. But, uh, like you know, it doesn't mean it can't still end on a good good note. So. Very, very true. Uh, looking forward to next week, season six, episode 22. It is the penultimate episode of the season. Uh, Diaz targets Team Arrow and their loved ones. Oliver struggles putting Felic- with Felicity putting herself in danger when she gets the chance to stop Diaz for good. Uh, it looks like we're going to see the return of Anatoly again next week as well. So, which not a surprise. Since and, I was gonna, and also never a bad thing. I love their interactions. They, yeah. It's always a highlight for me. Yeah. David Nichols is fantastic in that role. So mm-hmm. I love, I love seeing him there. Yeah. Uh, that's going to wrap it up for the show discussion. So I know there is some news out there. So why don't we talk a little bit about that? All right. We're going to save the big one for the end, but let's start on a lighter note. Uh, I don't even you know have... what the big one is at this point, unless it's the <laughs> one we just brought up about Arrow. It is. We're going to okay. save that one. Cause I think that's the, that, that's the most impactful of everything this yeah. week. Uh, so if let's start on the lights, lighter notes though, if you haven't checked it out, uh, last week, there was an amazing, amazing teen Titans go to the movies. I love saying that title. Um, the, the new trailer for this is phenomenal. Uh, I, I don't think I have laughed that much from a teaser trailer in a long, long, long time. And this movie just looks like it's going to be this beautiful love letter, uh, to, to the DC universe at the same time very clearly poking a lot of fun out of uh, out of it because there's even posters in the trailer making fun of Batman versus Superman it, like where they said it was instead of dawn of justice it was yawn of justice uh, <laughs> like all these little things like i'm really excited to see this movie because it it's even just the random people that are coming in to do voices like you know Nicholas the Adam, Cage. Nicholas Cage we <laughs> actually got to hear him as superman which oddly enough didn't sound horrible no uh, not at like, all uh, Pat Oswald very much was doing the voice of the Adam in this trailer. Uh, you know, Jimmy Kimmel was, was just announced to be playing Batman in Teen Titans Go the Go to the movies. So this is just they're doing fun things here and they're just not afraid to have fun and poke fun of the, the bumpy road of DC in the you know film world. And I think that's it's a great thing to see Warner Brothers not afraid to do that because I think they're, you know, aside from Wonder Woman, which is I still think one of the best comic movies ever done. Um I, I got to say, you know, the, the other best things DC has done recently was Lego Batman, which I've definitely come around on. Uh, you know, my first viewing, I was a little, eh, I'm not sure. Uh, and then fell in love with it after a couple of viewings. And uh, now I have a feeling Teen Titans Go to the Movies is going to be one that stands right next to that. So, um, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm really, uh, 
really excited to see that. And again, Jimmy Kimmel coming in to play Batman just sounds way too much fun. <laughs> All right. So one of the other huge things that happened this week uh, is we finally got a name for the streaming service that DC is going to be offering later this year. And that is just officially just going to be called DC Universe. Uh, very to the point. Uh, and we just did see a few graphic designs for the title cards for a few things, uh, specifically Young Justice. Uh, hold on. Let's see here. My uh, Swamp Thing. Uh, yeah, I was about to get to that. So Young oh, Justice, sorry. The Outsiders, <laughs> the Harley Quinn animated series. And we have uh, that spray paint logo for Titans. But what also came out of this, as you just mentioned, is a live action Swamp Thing show, uh, which was very unexpected. But even more unexpected was who was developing it which is none other than somebody that's working on Aquaman, which has been getting really, you know, big, you know, you know, rave uh, statements coming out of CinemaCon on how gorgeous that whole thing looked is James Wan, uh, which nobody even knew was going on at all. And he said they've been working on this for quite a while uh, and it's been happening in the background and DC because they stated how much they enjoyed what he was doing with Aquaman gave him this character and they did state that this version of you know Swamp Thing is going to be looking very close at the Len Wein version of this character, which was the very horror-esque uh, version. So I think we're going to see a big nod to what the original movie was that even me and Paul actually reviewed on the show last year. So if you're a fan of this character, I, I think he's in good hands. I think there's a real large shot that he's in very, very good hands. So, uh, you know, James Wan's done some really big things. Like he's worked on Saul insidious, the conjuring he did furious seven and now doing Aquaman. So I think, you know, this is somebody that's, uh, going to do a good job with uh, holding tight to this. They are openly brought up the fact that like, you know, uh, Anton Arcane's going to be in the mix. You know, we're going to be down into the swamps, the whole nine. So this sounds like this is going to be the full on classic Alec Holland version of you know this character so i'm very excited to see this play out so is um do you think this subscription service is something you're going to sign up for uh probably not because there's gonna be other ways to watch it so (laughs) yeah that's that's (laughs) my that's my train of thought too um but uh but who knows maybe we'll um i might go ahead i was gonna say maybe we'll just um we'll do some kind of giveaway over the summer where once we know the launch date we'll do like We'll do like three months on us or something like that. We'll figure something out. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think that's a very big possibility. Uh, but again, if the shows are really good, I'll subscribe to support it. So it's really depending on the quality of things like Titans and Swamp Thing and Harley Quinn. If they're really good, I will I will pay to support them to be able to continue to make those things. So. All uh, right. So E3 is right around the bend. Uh, if you don't know what E3 is, that is the Electronic Entertainment Expo, where all the big video game companies usually go to meet to show off their new wares. Uh, and not a shock. Uh, it sounds like Rocksteady, who's been very, very quiet since uh, Batman Arkham Knight and uh, the uh, Batman, I think, Arkham VR came out uh, about two years ago now. Uh, it's crazy to think that VR has been around that long is uh it sounds like their their next project is going to be unveiled more than likely at e3 uh which i believe is the second week of june now there's something interesting here because there's two news stories that kind of revolve around this and it sounds like warner brothers montreal who has worked on things like uh i think it was batman arkham origins they have also done things like the lord of the rings recent games the shadow of uh shadow of war and shadow of mordor so 
it sounds like there's two projects running in tandem that Rocksteady has their own, and then there's one that they're working with with WB Montreal as well. Uh, now, there's been rumors for years now that there's been a multiplayer Justice League game uh, that they're working on. And it sounds like that is 100% indeed true, and it sounds like that very well may be an unveiled at E3. But it also sounds that Rocksteady is also has their own project, which is a full open-world Superman game that does indeed take place in the Arkham universe that they already created. Now, there are a couple different bullet points that were stated here from things that did leak out. Uh, and this actually came out of 4chan, which oddly enough, 4chan is a big place where there's a lot of leaks like these do come out uh, ahead of schedule. And we're in this perfect window now because, again, a couple weeks away from E3, we're just like a, a month and a half. I think it's five weeks out. This is when this stuff really does start coming out. So... I would not be surprised to see this is all 100% real. So from the Superman game, what we're aware of at this point is this is using the Unreal Engine 4, uh, which was what they used for Arkham Knight. Uh, this is the lead for Rocksteady. They said the this is a large open world metropolis, and they said about three times the size of Arkham Knight. Uh, and you do not play as Clark Kent whatsoever. The main villain will be Brainiac, and Superman will be nerfed. Like, But they said as far as nerfed, they mean like, Superman the animated series levels so not like godlike uh but still a, a massive huge bruiser uh, they now, said help me with something here because I read sure. that in the article too what exactly is nerfed like what exactly does that mean does that mean uh, they're going to kind of dumb him down a little bit oh no his power levels are just a little bit lower than maybe like comic book where it's kind of like hey the only thing that's going to hurt him is magic you know or kryptonite and that's it uh, but I think there's a saying is like when he hits somebody, they don't go flying into space, you know, more along the lines of if you've ever watched Justice League, the animated series, Superman was strong as hell in that show, but he definitely got kicked around quite a bit. It wasn't until the final episode of that show when we saw him take on Darkseid. There's this beautiful speech. It's kind of like, you know what? I've always had to hold back. He's like, but you you can take it. I feel like I live in a city full of cardboard. But, you know, he's like, but I'm going kind to of, and it was just kind of him just saying, I'm taking the chains off and we're going toe to toe. So it sounds like we're going to get the version before that moment, which is somebody that's I'm going to be cautious to not destroy everything. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, and that's I think. But you're also going to see him be able to not take as much punishment as normal. So I think that's the right way to do it for a game. Uh, they did say that in the environments are semi destructible. Uh, they said think very much like Arkham Knight. No buildings are going to fall over, but like if you hit the edge of a building, chunks will come probably clipping off. Uh, they did say the combat system will integrate the flying. Uh, they said so you can punch somebody up into the air, zoom towards them and repeat. So it sounds like there'll be kind of a juggling system with that, which sounds pretty cool. Uh, again, confirming that it's in the Arkhamverse. And they did say, just like the Arkham franchise, tons and tons and tons of Easter eggs everywhere. It's Superman's lore and events that took place. So uh, they said definitely look for that. And they said they definitely will nod to Batman the Arkham franchise as well in that game. So pretty exciting. Um, I, I, you know, there never really has been a great Superman game. So it's uh, awesome to see Rocksteady taking this on. And I'm looking forward to seeing what Rocksteady and WB Montreal are working on with Justice League. So uh, my guess is because they've been saying for the longest time, if they can get Superman right, they'll do a Justice League game. My guess is they got Superman so right. They're like, we can definitely do a game that's pure Superman. And then we can do one that's Justice League as well. So. Um, 
Yeah, so very exciting. Yeah. Uh, right. Jump over, uh, jumping over to The Flash. Uh, the small news story, not a ton here, but Todd Helbing, uh, who is the executive producer on the show, did have a few things to say for us, and that's about the finale. And they did say this is a very Inception-inspired episode. Uh, we do know the title is called We Are the Flash, and they said it will feature two major cliffhangers pertaining to the show's fifth season. Um, one of them is having to do with Jessica Parker Kennedy, who's been playing the mystery girl. And they did say officially, you know, she's been under a magnifying gla- a glass of keen fans who crafted theories ranging from her being Dawn Allen to Jenny Ognitz, which is excess, uh, and even some other variations of the reverse flash. And said, you know what, she is going to play massively into this, so just you need to watch. But he said, uh, as far as the cliffhanger, they said, we will definitely be teasing the next season's Big Bad. And they said, by the sounds of it, uh, it's somebody that is quite renowned. They said, anybody familiar with comic books will probably be able to deduce who the Big Bad's going to be for next season. And we're incredibly excited. So uh, it doesn't sound like we're going to see them, but there's definitely going to be this massive hit towards it. Any so. idea on who that could potentially be? Not a clue yet. <laughs> so me neither. <laughs> okay, good. Um, I'm glad I'm not the only one. Yeah. So I, I think we will we will definitely have to wait until the finale in three weeks. So uh jumping over into Arrow, there's a light piece here, and our uh our thoughts go out to Colton Haynes. It sounds like him and his husband Jeff Lethem uh are going to be separating, and there is no full discussions of a divorce yet. But this is something could that could drastically have factored into his return to Arrow. So it's a wait and see. That's what I'm thinking. Uh, so um like I said, and we know he suffered from a lot of problems with depression over the last year or so before returning to uh, to filming stuff again. So, uh, like I said, we're we're hoping everything's going okay for Colton, and we're looking forward to him joining back into the fray full time next season. So, but with one person coming back, unfortunately, another is leaving. Uh, <sighs> and this was kind of a shock because it felt like it came out of nowhere. But again, I kind of I'm not surprised. Uh, we have a show getting ready to enter into its sixth season. Uh, or no, seventh season. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, I keep forgetting it's been that long. Uh, but unfortunately, one of the best of the best on the show, Mr. Paul Blackthorne, will not be returning for season seven of Arrow. His storyline will officially be closed out at the end of season six. Uh, there's not a lot of details on it, but unfortunately, in my brain, it feels like Quinton's going to probably die. Uh, I think they're going to he's going to be unfortunately killed off by Diaz. And we're going to definitely see, uh, you know, Black Siren really maybe take up a hero mantle after that moment. So uh, I don't see any other possible ending for him the way things have been going with him now as the mayor that's willing to fight back. There's just no other way around it. I don't you're going to see Paul Blackthorne drive off into the sunset. Um, he's kind of been on the chopping block, oddly enough, since like season two. Uh, so I'm not surprised to see them finally make this call. Yeah, it, it sucks that he's going to leave because he's been one of the strongest characters, uh, not just strongest characters, but one of the strongest actors on this show. And I've loved interactions he's had with so many different people on this show from, you know, from uh, Rick Gonzalez as Renee to Oliver and uh, even everything that's going on with Katie Cassidy as Laurel right now. He's been such a phenomenal piece that it's it's going to be a huge loss when when he's gone, no matter what way it happens. Yeah, I, I think that's the downside is it's somebody that's it's an actor that's able to elevate the abilities of everybody around him and interacts with him. He just brings so much emotion to the role, whether it's humor, whether it's, you know, this big dramatic moment. I, you know, he's just been this large staple to the show. 
So it's going to definitely hurt not having him a part of it, uh, especially him in you know, joining Thea into that mix. So it's a it's a shame. But you know what? I, I think that's why we're, we're going to be seeing White Canary uh, on the finale this, this year. So, yeah, as her coming down to see her father before that moment happens. Yeah. Um, it's going to be brutal though. I'm not going to, I have a feeling this this is going to be a vicious moment and I'm, I just don't think there's any other possible outcome. It sucks, but yeah, you know, but that's it for the news this week. All right. Um, so recommendations, if we have anything, I really don't this week. Um, I, I, I know we, we, there's still, we, there's still a lot of stuff that we have to talk about. We have to talk about, um, Suicide Squad because we haven't talked about that yet. We haven't talked about Batman Ninja, which is recently released. We still have to get my opinion on the final chapter of the Telltale Batman. But I think we're we're gonna we're save s- those things for a couple weeks because we're gonna have a good, I think, four or five weeks where Supergirl is the only show we're gonna talk about. Right, and that was my thoughts too. Is we're gonna try to hold that. We still never did uh, the Batman, um, you know, sixty six second movie with the, uh, you know, the Two Face episode, uh, or Two Face one. So we'll go back and be able to review that on the show too. We were trying to save up a lot of that content for summer, uh, and we were joking around. And it, trust me, it may not be something that happens, but we were like, Christ, with all this new streaming stuff, I'm like, it feels like we need two podcasts and. That's not going to happen, guys. No. So, um, but <laughs> and, and, we will we will find a way to try to cover the stuff that's great. I mean, I know a lot of people are enjoying Krypton. Um, it, I can tell you right now, Gotham has stepped up its shit. I know. I just I'm I'm a season and a half behind, and I just haven't even had time. So it, it's the question of picking and choosing your shows right now, and it's uh, yeah. there's a lot of DC out there right now. There is a ton of DC, and it's hard to keep up. So. Yeah, so uh, we'll see what the sum- what the summer brings us as as we go forward. So, but yeah, I mean, I I don't really have any I don't really have any recommendations. Uh, so I'll turn it over to you if you have any. I have one that is very much not a DC thing, but it is well, two of them actually. If you have Netflix and you are a fan of the comedian John Mulaney, I knew you were going to do um, it. <laughs> his new Netflix special is up. It's actually a show that we already saw. Uh, we saw we had the opportunity to see Kid Gorgeous Live, which is the name of his new special. Uh, in Philadelphia. So, and uh, that special is now up. It's the version he does from Radio City Music Hall in New York. Uh, but it's great. It's phenomenal. It cracked me the hell up. But in addition to that, another Netflix thing that happened randomly that nobody expected was uh, Brian Grazer and Ron Howard out of nowhere said, Hey guys, if you like Rested, Arrested Development and uh, you didn't enjoy season four that much, don't worry. We went back and recut the entire thing to feel exactly like the old style Arrested Development that fits in with the original first three seasons before season five. And we started watching it, and oh my god, it is a thousand times funnier. It's the way they shifted things around, recorded new dialogue. So if you're an Arrested Development fan, I highly recommend if you jump onto Netflix and choose season four, it'll say season four remixed, and it's now called Arrested Development season four fateful consequences and it is amazing they took 18 episodes and turned it into 22 shortening the lengths of each episode but adding a ton of fun stuff to it so i'm I'm gonna have to check that out because i remember when season four was released on netflix i actually never finished it i only got like two episodes in because i wasn't crazy about the new format uh instead of it being episode by episode about one character they mixes them together just like it, 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 it it yeah, it intercuts everybody's stories together in proper order. 
And in addition to it now, they added new, like I said, Ron Howard recorded a whole bunch of new dialogue to transition the scenes, and they added new jokes. Nice. Yeah, I'm going to so. have to go and check that out. Um, and I do, I just actually just thought of a recommendation, since we're kind of going off the beaten path and, and going away from DC a little bit. Uh, if you have YouTube Red... Uh, a new series was just released on YouTube that I have not watched yet, but I'm highly anticipating. And everybody that I've talked to has, who has watched it says they absolutely loved it. It is the new uh, Cobra Kai with Billy Zabka and Ralph Macchio, which is the continuation of the Karate Kid series. It's, I think it's 10 episodes. They're half hour. Uh, but you have to have YouTube read in order to watch uh, episodes three through 10. You can only watch the first two for free. And I, I was a big, co- uh, um, Karate Kid fan as a kid. So I'm highly anticipating looking, uh, checking this out. It's something I know for sure I'm going to do this week. Uh, yeah, I, I will find a way to watch that. I'm incredibly excited. I will, I will make sure it is on our, uh, the way we watch everything else. Yeah. <laughs> because I've already seen it that I can, I've already seen it out there for me to add it that way. So awesome. I'll, I'll add it. So, so that you can watch it. Cool. Uh, but that's it. That's it for me, man. Uh, yeah. Nothing special. Uh, cheap plugs. Uh, before we get out of here, uh, you can obviously check this podcast out as well as all other podcasts on the Next Level Podcast Network, nextlevelradioonline.com. Uh, I've had a big change come up in my life that's going to allow me a lot of time to be doing a lot of new things with this network. So over the course of like the next two months or so, uh, two or three months, uh, Keep your eye on the Next Level Network Facebook page, which is facebook.com slash next level radio online, as well as the website, as well as here with DC Primetime. Uh, cause there's one other thing we got to do before we get out that I almost forgot to do. Um, and, um, but yeah, so we're going to st- hopefully see some big things come to this network over the course of the next couple months. You can check out the Facebook page for face for, for this fe- website. Oh, God damn it. For this podcast. Facebook.com slash DC Primetime. And of course, you can leave us a voicemail on our DC Primetime voicemail. 1-888-247-5380. The number again, 888-247-5380. Just leave us a voicemail with your thoughts on the shows, on the podcast, whatever it is you want. And as soon as you're done, your cheap plugs, uh, we have to announce some winners. Yes, we do. Uh, as for me, you can always find me through the Next Level Podcast Network at nextlevelradioonline.com through the Caffeine Crew cast of pods. Uh, our last episode uh, was the Ready Player One special that we did that came out right before I actually went on my trip. Uh, we've got another one coming up. I think we'll probably be recording not this week, but the following. And that's going to be a big one on board games, um, more specifically the modern day board games uh, and kind of talking a little bit about how things have changed from when people think of risk and Monopoly to games like Mystic Veil and Blood Rage. Um, I'm really excited about that one. I think it's going to be a very different cast than we normally have. Uh, So it's definitely going to shake things up a little bit, but it's going to be a very cool episode. We've been talking about doing it for quite a bit. Um, So yeah, really uh, excited for that one. Uh, Also, a big special thanks to our good friend George Shaw at georgeshawmusic.com who offers up his wonderful tunes that you get to hear on this podcast every week. Yeah. Uh, but as I mentioned, we have a couple of winners to announce. Uh, I posted on the Facebook page that we were going to announce our winner for the fan of the month for the month of April. Uh, but it made me also realize that I don't think we announced one for March either. 
Uh, I think we just got tied up with a lot of stuff and it kind of went by the wayside, but we want to get caught up. So we're not going to announce one winner this week. We're going to announce two. Um, before we announce the winners, obviously how you can be in the running for fan of the month is just simply being a part of the online community. Uh, comment on posts that we post, like posts that we post, and everybody who comments and likes and shares things uh, online from the Facebook page. Uh, simply you get your name entered into a drawing and it's that simple. We'll draw the name at the end of the month and that person will win a goodie from us. What probably one of our, uh, our logo t-shirts and such. Um, so for the month of March, our fan of the month is Joe Moran from Chicago, Illinois. Uh, so congratulations, Joe, on being our winner for March and April. Our fan of the month is Denny Willett, who I've seen post actually quite a bit and, and like a lot of comments. And Denny is from Jacksonville, Florida. So uh, we will... Uh, we'll, we'll put a post on the Facebook page announcing our winners. And when you see your names, uh, please reach out to us so we can get your t-shirt size and, uh, your address and such so we can get these out to you. But, uh, one of the cool things about this, man, I, I love doing this fan of the month thing now, other than rewarding people for being such a great part of the community is we get to see where everybody is from. Yeah, we get to kind of see like, you know, the the stretch of this podcast. I mean, there's a lot more listeners out there than we ever anticipated, yeah. especially only like two years into doing the show uh, or a little over two years. I think it's like almost two and a half, which is crazy to think about. Uh, but, yeah, it's it, it's really awesome to see. So, I mean, I've, I you know, when I look through and I'm, I'm picking names and things like that, I get people, you know, everywhere from like here locally to the Philadelphia area uh, out to like L.A. in California and as far north as, you know, I've seen people from Texas. I've seen people from like Alberta, Canada uh, and Vancouver and such. So, I mean, our listeners span the entire North American landscape. And I'm sure we have some from overseas, too. We just um, they're just not nearly as many because of uh yeah, uh, you know, it, it takes a lot of time to look through all these names, cause especially in particular, because we have hundreds now, uh, on the Facebook page and such. And even more so that follow us that aren't necessarily like the page, but they still follow the podcast. So, uh, I want to again reiterate that if you, um, if you feel the, the urge and we encourage you to do so, please leave us a review on iTunes of the podcast as well. Uh, and you know, the first 20 people or so that do that, we're going to send you a goodie. I still have to get, uh, stickers out to the first couple people that left us reviews, but some people did and we're highly appreciative of it. Yeah, absolutely. And, and everybody who does leave a, um, a review on iTunes, uh, just search DC primetime in the iTunes store and you can find us, uh, the first 20 people, as I mentioned, we'll, we'll send you like a sticker or something that, you know, the logo stickers, which I still love our logo. Oh, it's, it, it, and that shirt, too, just from seeing it on a couple of our friends that now have them from, uh, you know, between Jackson and Shad and Paul. Uh, man, that shirt looks great. And I don't even own one yet. I need to. I really need to remedy I know that. we need them for ourselves. We're sending them out to fans and we don't even we don't even have any yet. Um, I think we're going to change that this week. I think we're going to have to order some for ourselves. <laughs> I think um, so. But yeah, so, um, you know, it's, 
everybody who gets everybody who leaves a review will send you something for the first 20 people that leaves us a review we'll send you something and then uh between now and probably the course of the end of the summer right before we start getting into newer episodes of the show everybody who leaves a review on itunes will be entered into uh like a dc primetime prize pack we'll we'll take some stuff throughout the summer uh and just throw it all together in a box from stickers to t-shirts maybe a hoodie when i go to conventions i'll pick something up and everybody who leaves a review is going to be in the running for that prize pack by the end of the summer so leave a review even if you're not one of the first 20 people you'll still be in the running for that prize pack which i think would be really really cool Mm -hmm. uh but other than that again we thank you guys for being a part of the community thank you for subscribing and listening and commenting and liking and all that great stuff um but i think that's gonna wrap it up for this episode yeah yeah oh man it's good to be back i'm glad you're back man i'm i'm glad and you know Especially now that we're heading into the end of these end of the oh, season. For these man, seasons. finales are always my favorite. Yes, I, I still don't think anything's going to top uh, the 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 legends one though. Uh, but I prove me wrong, Arrowverse. Prove me wrong. <laughs> so, uh, with that being said, enjoy the rest of your week, and we will see you guys around the bend. Take care. Peace.